Good morning. It's great to see you all up in the balcony as well as down here on the floor. If you're our guest this morning, again, I extend my special welcome to you as well. It's always good to have new folks who are needing a church home to come and check us out. So we hope that this morning will prove to be a really great morning for you to have been with us. Uh, I want to give you an update on the Celebrate 50 offering. When we had our Celebrate 50 Sunday, those of you who are new in the last few weeks, we celebrated our 50th anniversary as a church just a few weeks ago, and that entire offering was dedicated to ministries outside of the walls of West Hills. And I just wanted to give you an update as to how those monies that were determined by our missions team uh, will be allocated. Um, the Hunger Corps is going to get $1,000. Uh, the Puerto Rico mission team worked with them and were really affected by their ministry, uh, doing so much with so little. The Jesus Project uh, presentation several weeks ago, uh, they take the gospel and put it into film and take it around the world. And so $1,000 is going towards the Jesus Project. Operation Christmas Childs, right through our ministry here at West Hills, Monies that will be used for all of the shipping costs. All those boxes that you bring in cost money to ship. And so $2,000 is going to go towards, towards Operation Christmas Child. This is the year for InterVarsity's Urbana Conference here in St. Louis for college students to attend Urbana Missions Conference. We're dedicating $1,000 to um, scholarships for students to attend Urbana the Mashburns in Senegal, they need solar-powered MP3 players to get the gospel out. And so we've given $500 to the Mashburns. And uh, the Bridge of Hope ministry right here in St. Louis that we're integrally a part of uh, with um, their ministry to the inner city. And $660 is being used for supplies for homeless people who come to Bridge of Hope in need of uh, just basic toiletry needs. And then the balance of the funds that were given is going towards our community needs fund. So thank you again for your generosity, for your goodness in giving to all of those ministries. One other item that is extremely important that you need to know before we go any further, no one is signed up to bring pecan pie to our Thanksgiving feast. Okay. This is a travesty. <laughs> An absolute travesty. Now, we do need more turkeys, mashed potatoes, sweet potatoes. All the sign-ups are out there. Uh, there are actually six spots for people to sign up for cranberries. That's way too many cranberries. Um, so some of the people who are going to give cranberries, give pecan pies, and we'll be all set. Uh, now, let me, let me shift just for a second to a more serious note. This has been a very unsettling week for our country, no doubt. Um, with the, the pipe bombs being sent to various people around the country, and then yesterday the shooting at the synagogue in Pittsburgh. And so our, our nation just needs the prayers of God's people. And we're just one church, but we're one of thousands of churches that I'm sure today is wanting to pray for our nation. And so I'm going to ask if we could just, this is, if you're, if you're new to West Hills, don't get freaked out by this. I'm just going to ask for small groups of three and four people to cluster together I'm going to ask for one, maybe two of you to pray for our nation, pray for the people in Pittsburgh, uh, pray for healing, and then after just a few minutes, I will close in prayer. But if you could just stand right now, form groups of four or five people, 
Just one or two of you pray, and then I will pray after that. If you don't know somebody in your group, introduce yourself. We have offered our prayers to you this morning, united and collectively praying for the needs of our country. Lord, we uh, live in turbulent times, but you're a God of peace, and you have scattered the saints of God across this nation to be a blessing and to bring peace where there is no peace, to bring hope where there is no hope, to bring truth where there is a void. And so we do pray for those who suffer today. We pray for the families in Pittsburgh who have experienced such great, great loss. We pray for our leaders. We pray that you would give them wisdom, Lord. We pray that they would be men and women who would seek your face, who would see their need, their great need, to draw close to you. We love you today, Lord. We thank you for hearing our prayers. We give you all the glory. We pray in Christ's name. God's people agreed by saying, This is the fourth and final message in our little mini-series on spiritual gifts this morning. Uh, We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 12 again today as we were last week, so if you want to go in your Bibles there, we'll be there in just a minute. In this passage, Paul started out addressing those in the body of Christ who may feel that they're just not that important. Uh, To use the illustration that he gives, uh, we're talking about the feet not feeling nearly as important as the hands. And for the reasons that we showed last week, they have an inferiority complex. Uh, The hands get all the attention. The hands get all the praise. The hands get to be raised in worship. The hands get to reach out and shake hands. Whereas the feet just sort of walk in the dust. And then there were the ears, and not feeling nearly as significant as the eyes. And so last week really was talking about, and Paul addressing people in the body of Christ who feel like they're not that important. Their gifts aren't, they don't feel that their gifts are as important as somebody else's gifts. 
And so he started by giving them a pep talk, wanting to correct their erroneous thinking. You may think you're not a part of the body, he said to them, but you really are. You may think you're not important, but you're so important. Think what the body would be like if you didn't have the ability to smell. Think what the body would be like if you didn't have the ability to hear or to see. And all God has composed the body and put us all together. And so, yes, if you think your role in the body of Christ is somehow a joke, you have forgotten that God designed the body the way he so chose. Now, with the verses this morning, he shifts his attention to those in the body of Christ who may feel that they're better than others, in some way superior, better gifted. Look at me. I'm better gifted than you. More important, that while the body of Christ might be able to get by without other members, it definitely can't function without me. That's the attitude that Paul is going to address here. So 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 21, as you're able, please stand for the reading of God's word. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. The reading of God's word. Please be seated. One of the things that I will often do when I'm reading a passage of scripture or studying a certain text is watch for words that get repeated by the original writer because it's going to give you an idea of what he especially wanted to emphasize in that section of a letter. And so, for example, take a couple of words that are very common in uh, Scripture. Take the word believe, for example. Uh, Matthew uses the word believe eight times. John uses it 84 times. First John uses it seven times. And so the emphasis that Matthew is going to give to that is significantly different than the emphasis that John uses it or the word love. The Gospel of Mark uses the word love only four times. That's not because John Mark was against love, but the emphasis that he wanted to, to especially push forward was not that, whereas John's Gospel, 39 times, and the little book of 1 John, 26 times. And so it tells you that John was very much wanting to stress the love of God. And so when you are reading and studying your Bibles, You want to watch for those kinds of things and then ask why the writer used a particular word the way he did. Now, the word that stood out to me in the passage that we're looking at this morning is the word honor. Honor. Verse 23. On those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. Verse 24. God has so composed the body giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. And again in verse 26, if one member is honored, all rejoice together. 
So what can we conclude from an initial reading of these verses in terms of what was going on in Paul's head and heart as he sought to give the Corinthians a clear understanding of how the spiritual gifts are to work in a body of believers? And the impression that I come away from is I think God is telling us through the Apostle Paul that the concept of honor is an essential element if the gifts of the Spirit are to function well in a local church. Now, what do you think of when you hear the word honor? Interestingly, Webster's Dictionary gives this as one of its primary definitions, a showing of usually merited respect. A showing of usually merited respect. And so it's, it's respect that is deserved. It's respect that, that has been earned in some way. Um, and I would imagine that definition goes along with the way most of us think of honor. It's definitely how the world thinks of honor. We honor those who have merited or earned honor. The world is into honoring the best of the best, the fastest, the brightest, the most talented. This past week, for example, Yadier Molina was honored with the Roberto Clemente Award for on and off the field excellence in terms of his, his work with Puerto Rico following the hurricane. And well-deserved, a well-deserved award. <clears throat> there is the multi multitude of awards ceremonies on television the Emmys and the Oscars and the Golden Globes and the ESPYs and the you know, CMTs and all the rest. The Olympics honor the best of the best in the world with gold, silver, and bronze medals. And this is nothing new. It's always been this way. And there is nothing inherently wrong with that. It is good to honor excellence. But in the Bible, there's a different perspective on honor. First and foremost, we're to honor God. We are to be people who honor God more than anything or anyone else. Why? Because God's always worthy of honor. He's always worthy of respect. I was driving over here this morning and had the um, 99.1 on, and they were playing Michael W. Smith's uh, On Use Day. Uh, great song, you know, Alleluia, for the Lord God Almighty reigns. Worthy is the Lamb. And I, I had it cranked up as loud as it would go, and I was singing as loud as I could sing between my house and the church, and I just I said, yes, because the lamb is worthy. And you and I should honor God every day with our voices, with our lives, with our wealth, with our homes, with our jobs, with our relationships, with our marriages. It should be our greatest desire to give honor to God. But then in the family structure, children are told to honor their parents who, frankly, are not always worthy of honor. Wouldn't you agree, parents? We are not always worthy of honor, and yet children are called to honor their moms and their dads. We're told to honor the emperor. History tells us there have been more emperors, more kings, more presidents, more prime ministers who have not merited honor than those who have. And yet, as God's people, we are called to honor them. Romans 12.10 exhorts us, as believers, outdo one another in showing honor. You see somebody else in the body of Christ, says, I want to outdo him in showing honor. I want to give more honor. 1 Peter 2.17 says to honor everyone. And so God introduces a, a different paradigm for honor 
than the world's system of honoring. And think about how God has honored us with the unmerited gift of salvation, undeserved bestowal of righteousness, unwarranted classification as beloved sons and daughters of the living God. Friends, that is God honoring us with that which we do not deserve. And so God introduces to the world a whole new perspective on honor. Now, bring it home, bring it over to spiritual gifts. It is this different perspective that the Apostle Paul introduces into the conversation dealing with spiritual gifts. Honoring one another in the body of Christ and especially, says Paul, honor those parts of the body that tend not to get honored. Let me give you three takeaways this morning. Number one, honor dignifies the less honorable and edifies the weaker but indispensable parts of the body. Honor dignifies the less honorable, those who feel less honorable. Honor edifies, builds up, encourages, strengthens the weaker but indispensable parts of the body. That's what Paul's getting at in those first three verses, 21, first four verses, 21 through 24. The eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. You see, what you have there in verse 21 is an example of what? Dishonor. Verse 21 is dishonor. To be dishonored is to be disrespected undervalued, unappreciated, feeling belittled, feeling disparaged, feeling dismissed. Have you ever been dishonored? Have you ever felt disrespected, unappreciated? Absolutely. We all have. In marriages, we can feel unappreciated, disrespected by our spouse, by your kids, especially it seems like, well, maybe not especially, it seems like younger kids are learning how to dishonor their parents. You don't have to wait for the teen years for that to kick in. Uh, dishonored as parents, dishonored elderly. You get into the later years and you feel like you're kind of being dismissed by, because of your age and weaknesses and failings. Perhaps you've been dishonored in your job. Friends, I would tell you, dishonor is one of the devastating effects of the fall. That in our concern for taking care of self, we end up dishonoring others because I need that honor for me. I don't have honor to share with you because I've got to keep it for myself. That is one of the devastating effects of the fall in my, in my calculations. And when you are on the receiving end of dishonor, it feels what? Terrible. It crushes you. You see, it is dishonoring to a person to convey to them, either directly or indirectly, consciously or unconsciously, through your words, your actions, or your attitudes, either that you don't need them or they're really not that important. That's dishonor. Now think for a minute. 
Jesus honored some of the least likely people. I think of the poor widow who put in two small copper coins in the basket as it was passed at the offering at the treasury that day. Someone who, along with her offering, would have been despised by the wealthy, dismissed by the Pharisees. You honor the wealthy, right? Or you honor the 10% tither, right? Not Jesus. He said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all the rest. What about in Luke's gospel, chapter 7? The woman of the city who was a sinner. That's a nice phrase for probably a prostitute. Who anointed Jesus' feet with her tears, wiped them with her long hair, then kissed his feet and anointed them with perfume. And the Pharisees were disgusted with her. Jesus honored her. And the Holy Spirit honored her by putting her into your Bible so that she would be read about and honored for generations to come. What about the woman caught in adultery? What about the Canaanite woman whose daughter had a demon and who said that even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table, Lord? Jesus honored her. You see, if your idea of who to honor gets screwed up, if your idea of honor is the same as the world's idea of honor, if the church's idea of honor is the same as the world's, it will impact all of your social interactions in terms of how you view and interact and treat other people. Look at what James writes. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly... And a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in. And and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom? which he has promised to those who love him. Notice this. But you have dishonored the poor man. You see, partiality is giving attention to one person over another. Partiality is honoring one person over another because of their wealth, because of their accomplishments, because of their power or their fame or their status. James says, you've dishonored And that really bothered him because I am sure he saw it as being diametrically opposed to the way Jesus treated people who lacked honor. Bring it back to spiritual gifts. When it comes to the body of Christ and those with spiritual gifts, God's word is telling us the tendency is going to be to make much of those parts of the body that are more visible. While the exact opposite is what is called for. Again, Paul uses the physical body to make his point. On the contrary, he says, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. On those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. Our presentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. See, this is the way it works. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker 
the parts of the body that we think less honorable, the parts of the body that don't get all the attention, they're hidden, they're invisible to the public eye, they're kept out of sight. But the fact of the matter is we actually bestow greater honor on those parts by giving even greater care because they require it. They need it. They need greater attention. Paul is saying that's the way it's supposed to be in the body of Christ. There are those parts of the body that should be dignified through honor. Those parts of the body, those with invisible gifts, those with hidden gifts, those who are not out in public display, who should be treated with greater honor than you will tend to think they need. Takeaway number two, honor reduces the potential for division. This is really interesting. It reduces the potential for division in the body of Christ. Verse 24, 25, God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. What's the result? That there may be no division in the body. No division in the body. You say, well, how does that work, Gary? That giving greater honor to the part that lacks it actually reduces the potential for division. How is that? Well, first, it reduces the potential for division because you're recognizing it is God who composed the body as he so chose. I've said it before, but it bears repeating. Each member of the body has been given their gift or multiple gifts by God who has composed the body as he chose. Not as I chose, not as you chose. And it's not only the gift that God apportions, but it's the, the gift of faith to go with that gift that he apportions. And say, well, why is that important? To keep you humble. To keep us all humble. I am who I am by the grace of God, said Paul. I am an apostle because of the grace of God. I am a pastor because of the grace of God. Whatever you are, it is by the grace of God. And so Jeremiah 9 says, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. Let not the gifted man boast in his gifts. Let not the leader boast in his leadership. Let not the musician boast in their musical skills. Let not the one who is able to give abundantly of wealth, boast in their wealth. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. In these things I delight, declares the Lord. And so Old Testament and New Testament stresses over and over, there is zero room for boasting in the body of Christ. It does not have a place. Zero room for having a prideful spirit, for thinking to yourself. You wouldn't say this. You know, we, we don't, it's not just not politically correct. It's not religiously correct to say I'm smarter than others. I am more gifted than others. I am more important than they are. If others were more like me, this church would be so much better off. If everyone served as much as I serve, if everyone gave as much as I give, if everyone loved God as much as I love God, if everyone read their Bible as much as I read my Bible, if everyone sacrificed as much as I sacrifice, 
And of course, if everyone was as humble as me, this church would be amazing. No, if we were all more like Christ, if we were all more like Christ, this church would be amazing. If we gave the way Christ gave, if we sacrificed the way Christ sacrificed, if we loved the way Christ loved. Something else I see happening here is this. If you give greater honor to the part that lacks it, this is an upside-down paradigm, okay? That's what I'm trying. Paul gave it to us, and so I'm giving it to you. We're dealing with an upside-down paradigm, a totally different way of thinking about how to function in the church. If you give greater honor to the parts that lack it, you're choosing, you're intentionally choosing to operate with a very different set of rules than that of the world. Because you're essentially doing the unexpected. You see, what's so upside down when it comes to the way we naturally give honor is that we give greater honor to those who don't lack it. We give greater honor to those whose honor bucket is already filled to overflowing. You've already been honored by a whole bunch of people. Here, let me give you some more. The person whose honor bucket is quite full does not need more honor Probably what they need is more humility. No, it's the person whose honor bucket is empty, maybe bone dry, who would be so blessed by someone in the body of Christ pouring a cup of honor into their parched soul. Expressions and words of unexpected honor can change a person's life. Marianne Byrd, in her memoir entitled The Whisper Test, tells of the power of words. Marianne Byrd was born with multiple birth defects. She was deaf in one ear, cleft palate, a disfigured face, crooked nose, lopsided feet. As a child, Marianne suffered not only from physical impairments, but also emotional damage inflicted by other children. She felt like a joke. Marianne, her classmates would say, what happened to you? One of her worst experiences at school, this is going back into the 60s. One of the worst experiences at school was the day of the annual hearing test. The teacher would call each child to her desk and the child would cover one ear and then the other and the teacher would whisper something to the child like, the sky is blue or you have new shoes and you had to repeat it back. If the teacher's phrase was heard and repeated, the child passed the test. To avoid the humiliation of failure, Marianne always would cheat on the test, secretly cupping her hand over her one good ear so that she could still hear what the teacher said. One year, Marianne was in the class of Miss Leonard, one of the most beloved and popular teachers in the school. Every student wanted Miss Leonard for their teacher. Then came the day of the dreaded hearing test. When her turn came, Marianne was called to the teacher's desk. As Marianne cupped her hand over her good ear, Miss Leonard leaned forward to whisper. I waited for those words, she wrote. Those words that God must have put into her mouth. 
those seven words that changed my life. Miss Leonard did not say to Marianne, the sky is blue, or you have new shoes. No, what she whispered was, I wish you were my little girl. Words of honor. Words of honor that a little girl with a misshapen face, poor hearing, cleft palate, didn't think she would ever receive from anyone. In the body of Christ, we are to be watching for the Marianne birds. We are to excel at lifting up and honoring the ones whose honor bucket is very, very empty. The third takeaway, and I think you can see this from what I've just said, when this kind of honor is practiced in a church, it creates a culture of care. It creates a culture of care that the world doesn't know what to do with. Verses 25 and 6, that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. I like that phrase, the same care for one another. Sometimes Jesse will come out of his room, out into the family room, let's say for church or or what have you, dressed, and realize that he and I pretty much look alike that day. It happens quite a bit for some reason. And he'll say, hey, Dad, same, same. And I'll say, yep, same, same. When considering the kind and amount of care that a member of the body receives compared to another member of the body... God, our Heavenly Father, is looking for same, same. Same, same honor. You see, friends, it's through expressing honor for the lesser parts, the hidden parts, that a body of believers can achieve the same care, same care for one another. Honor breeds empathy. Honor breeds empathy. Because you're intentionally, and I stress the word intentionally, watching for opportunities to show honor to the least of these. Watching for opportunities to give words of honor, acts of honor, expressions of honor to people who maybe are invisible the rest of the week to your eye. But you say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for not seeing. Forgive me for not hearing. Forgive me for being an honor hog. Forgive me for hoarding honor when there are those who need just a cup. And so he lays it out in very simple terms. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member gets honored, all rejoice together. As I said last week, 
When this is happening in the life of a church, West Hills, when this is happening in the life of our church, when each one is using his or her gifts for the common good to humbly serve one another, when honor is being given and shared among all, when one member suffers and all are suffering, when one member is honored, all are rejoicing, when these things are happening in the DNA of a church, it is evidence of the fullness of the Holy Spirit among us that we are men and women who are walking in the Spirit. We are depending upon the Spirit's presence and power in our lives with the gifts that God has given to each one of us, with the life of Christ being manifested through us. When all of that is happening, we as believers are experiencing a taste of what heaven will be like. Those on the outside are being given a glimpse a glimpse of a restored humanity. And God receives all the glory. Amen? Pray with me. Would you take just a minute and respond to what the Spirit of God is saying to you this morning? Uh, Lord God, giving to your people a different way of thinking, a different way to live. Lord Jesus, you came and you tipped everything upside down so that the people of your day, the religious people of your day, didn't know what to do with you. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. Spending time with sinners and tax collectors, loving the unlovable, honoring those whom the rest of society would dismiss. So we pray that you would make us like you. May we be a church that shows honor. Thank you, Lord, for every single part of the body of Christ at West Hills. Thank you for those who are before the public eye and for the many who are invisible, nevertheless so indispensable. Give us eyes to see them. Give us voices to express appreciation and gratitude and thanks. And Lord Jesus, would you use all the gifts that you have so graciously given to this body of believers for your glory, that we could make much of Christ, and that the world would catch little glimpses of what a restored humanity would look like. We love you, Lord. We pray these things in Christ's name.